What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Actual Eye Podcast. In this episode, I had an amazing conversation with visionary artist and poet Juliana Garces, in which she shared her insights on how we may integrate our spiritual experiences into our daily lives. We discussed her profound lucid dream experiences, which started from a young age, and how this led her to meditation, yoga, and working with sacred plant medicines for spiritual purposes. We also discuss her incredible visionary art, her experiences with astral travel, as well as working with ayahuasca, and we get to hear a wonderful transcendent poem as well. A disclaimer is appropriate here. In no way is this podcast or the speakers involved advocating for the illegal use of any substance, nor for the irresponsible use in any way. Rather, we encourage reaching transcendent spaces through legal means by following all applicable local laws. And we further advise utilizing methods such as breathing techniques, meditation, and yoga that do not require substances at all. If one is interested in plant medicines, we absolutely advise following your local laws and only using in a legal, safe environment under the supervision of a licensed therapist or religious practitioner. We also wish to encourage a spiritual approach to sacred plant medicines and for those interested to do their homework in order to be aware of natural and legal methods for achieving such states as well as what to be prepared for. Practices involving breathing techniques, yoga and meditation as mentioned and more are all capable of allowing the practitioner to rise to the transcendent realms without any substances involved. And we recommend learning these methods above all. In this episode, we cover some of those safe and legal techniques, as well as share some incredible experiences. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. Here we go. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good, good. It's good to meet you. It's good to meet you too. Yeah. So let me see. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay. So um, you've been, uh, I'm going to just do a few quick questions just to get like a feel for you before we get started. Absolutely. But, um, you, so you've been doing this for how many years? What, art? All yeah, my life? Yeah, all your life. Always. Right. And how did you start? Was it like drawing and then into painting? or? Um, it, it started with a mixture of, yeah, drawing, painting, all of them. I used to always play around with all the art supplies. Um, yeah. Very cool. And how did you get into the psych- psychedelic spiritual art styles? It, it largely started through uh, when I was 12, I started having lucid dreaming um, on their own. Like I started becoming aware uh, I was dreaming and uh, I started like, you know, being conscious of my dreams and traveling throughout my dreams. And that really sparked an interest in spirituality because I was 12 and I would, it just happened without me like, you know, uh, researching it or anything. Uh, and I would tell my parents like, Hey, I'm like exploring these dream worlds and, I'm conscious, and they didn't really know what to do with it. Um, so I started doing my own research because it started feeling like there was so much more to this reality than mm-hmm. just what we see 
um, because I was be- meeting guides. I was like going to these like spirit realms. Uh, wow. And from there, I really um, started to dive deep into meditation, into Hinduism, into Buddhism, into altered states of consciousness, trans states. And that led me eventually to uh, starting to work with medicines. Wow. Okay. Awesome. That's really cool. Okay. So you, uh, how old were you when you were having the lucid dreams? Uh, I, it started when I was around 12, 12 years yeah. old. Wow. That's so cool. So it just started happening to you like out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And um, by the time I was like 15, I was heavily into meditation and yoga. By the time I was 16, I started working with medicines. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm 25 now. And uh, so I've been working with medicines and most of these techniques for about a decade. And I feel pretty comfortable with um, altered states of consciousness mm-hmm. and having mystical experiences, which is what largely fuels my um, my art. artwork. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool that you got to get started that young with it. Because my first experiences with psychedelics when I was a teenager, we had no idea what we were dealing with. And this is literally like the very beginnings of the Internet. Because I'm 42. So... Mm-hmm. Um, AOL had just come out and we could like chat a little bit. You could go and read. And I remember uh, reading Albert Hoffman's journals. Um, It's one of the coolest things that you could find on the internet back then. And I remember reading that. Um, So I had a little bit of an idea about acid, but I didn't still have any uh, kind of spiritual basis for understanding or utilizing them. So we were very much just experimenting, having fun, and then being floored every once in a while by these incredible experiences. I remember uh, one time one of my uh, very, um, quote-unquote, like gangster friends uh, (laughs) broke down crying because he saw heaven in a light post, you know? And it's just like, we didn't know what to make of that at all. And then it was in my mid-20s when I started to really read um, about the history of psychedelics, uh, the origins that the fertility cults uh, predating Christianity. And um, I got a new understanding of the mushrooms and the, the medicines in general. And then I was able to come to them with a sense of reverence. Um, and it was a whole other level of experience, of course. And then it could be a, a genuine communion and a spiritual practice. But, you know, there was like a decade uh, between my first time and getting that knowledge and understanding. So it's it's really cool to see um, that you've had that opportunity now. And that's like the beginning of us starting to link our generation's understanding of how to use these substances again. It's starting to happen because we lost track for gosh knows how long. Because, um, you know, all of human history beforehand, we were handing down. Uh, our, our medicine men and women were handing down their insights and understandings and practices, and we just totally lost track of that. So it's yeah. a very exciting time to see it coming back around, and the FDA is actually approving the studies again here in the States. Yeah, it's very exciting, yeah. and uh, I'm very grateful that I I felt I had a very um, solid spiritual basis when um, I took my first medicine at 16, mm-hmm. uh, which was LSD, and uh, it was a very beautiful spiritual experience and I meditated during it and it yeah. was uh, changed my life because um, 
I was already starting to, um, you know, I was very heavy into astral projection and lucid dreaming and exploring worlds. Um, and I was already very uh, into meditation and studying Buddhism and Hinduism. But it wasn't until I, I took LSD that I really felt almost um, the higher states of consciousness that are possible with those practices. Uh, and that I believe that medicines can take us there, but um, it was mostly very inspiring to keep um, diving deep into those other practices, into meditation, into mm -hmm. um, yoga, so that I could reach them on without any substances. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. The practice. Yeah, yeah, that's so important, I think. And because the, the medicines can get you there, mm -hmm. but to stay there in those higher planes of awareness and uh, that that certainly does require, I think, a practice, a disciplined practice as well. And of course, people can get there without the use of psychedelics at all. Absolutely. Um, but I, I love that they are here as mm -hmm. a vehicle for people, especially those that have no grounding, no understanding, uh, no belief whatsoever in anything spiritual. And it's it's almost like the proof of the pudding for them. Um, and it can also help us ourselves learn to deepen our spiritual practice. Um, there are such deep, profound epiphanies that mm -hmm. that can happen in, in uh, one particularly um, deep session that we might take years to come to. Um, and I and I feel like I, you know sometimes you have experiences that are so great you can spend quite a long time unpacking them and learning to integrate sure. them as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's it's so much more than just like doing the medicine. It's uh, the preparation, the intention, um, then the actual, you know, moment of doing it. Uh, and then the integration, it's all, um, you know, such an important aspect. Uh, some people really focus on just the moment of doing it and like while yeah. they're on it. But um, I emphasize also the the preparation intention and afterwards integration to really get the full benefits of uh, the medicines truly yeah and so I'd, yeah I'd be curious in, into exploring that further so um, since we haven't formally introduced uh, how do I pronounce your last name Juliana Garces Garces so everybody this is Juliana is it Juliana or Juliana uh, either way technically it's Juliana Juliana. Juliana Garces is here today. She's a visionary artist. And is that how you describe yourself? Visionary artist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Visionary artist. And you've been uh, practicing all your life. And we were just talking about, maybe I'll include a bit of that beginning there too, because that was really interesting. Um, we were just talking about plant medicines, incorporating our use of such substances with a spiritual practice and learning how to integrate these experiences that we have. And, and yeah, so I, I guess that's kind of where we left off. And I wanted to ask more about your lucid dream experiences that we were talking about, because that's really fascinating. And then, of course, I would also be interested in the kinds of practices that you associate with your own spiritual path that you find most useful when it comes to integrating these great insights that we can experience through plant medicine. So um, tell us about your uh, initial lucid dreaming experiences that opened you up to that area of exploration. 
So it actually started through um, through a nightmare. I was having, as a young child, a lot of uh, nightmares. Mm-hmm. And it started happening where in the nightmares, I would realize that it was a dream. And I would be like, I'm not afraid of this anymore. Uh, I can wake myself out of this. And I'd wake myself up and I'd be, whoa, like, how did I do that? I was, I realized I was dreaming. Uh, and that was like the first, first times it started happening was I would, whenever I'd have a nightmare, I'd get myself out of it. And after that, I actually started staying in them and changing them and making them into positive experiences. Um, it started transitioning into me exploring various realms. Uh, I started off, you know, being a 12 year old, like wanting to dance around Saturn and uh, fly and do all those kind of fun things. But as I grew um, older and I started getting very into interested in meditation, and spiritual practices, it transitioned into me doing things like visiting the Buddha um, in the light realms and uh, exploring uh questions about reality asking beings there to explain things to me um asking for spirit guides um doing things of that nature uh much more uh profound things than just like having fun in the dream realm and um i still continue to have lucid dreams um i have largely um let go of the practice it transitioned into a lot of astral projection but uh, I found in to, to some degree, I got a lot of the answers I was looking for. And in a way, it started to feel like more karma um, because I was starting to have, uh, I would take a nap and I'd have a, a lucid dream that felt like hundreds of years. And then I would go to sleep at night and have another one that felt like hundreds of years uh, worth of experiences. And I'd write them down. It'd be so much. I'd just have to give a few of my favorite highlights um but it felt like so much more extra information uh especially like while I was in high school um I was already dealing with so much in the physical realm uh, of feeling like I was going into this realm and having hundreds of years worth of experiences felt a little excessive so Mm -hmm. I purposely uh deterred from the practice and went just heavier into meditation and into clearing the mind and reducing Mm -hmm. uh any thought at all um and working with yoga and uh, focusing on just the breath and being present, uh, I found a, a very deep joy, uh, perhaps deeper joy than I could find with doing everything I could imagine in the dream realms. Neat. Wow. So when you started meditating at this point, is this around the time that you had first experimented with plant medicines? Uh, I would say I started meditating around age uh, 13, 14, uh, and my first medicine experience was at 16. So you uh, were with well prepared LSD. for that. Yeah, you were yeah well I felt very then. well prepared. Uh, yeah. I would say for, for most people, 16 years old would be far too young. But mm. at the time, I felt very prepared, and it was a very beautiful um, experience where I meditated a lot. I painted. I um, felt very connected to source, and it was very divine in, in every way. Uh, definitely wasn't a, a reckless, uh, for fun experience. It was yeah. in my own room um, with you know a lot of uh, beforehand preparation and research, knowing what I was getting myself into. And it was a very beautiful experience that definitely changed my life and my art and you know, just how I see it. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. So you had a couple years of meditation practice before (laughs) you did your first psychedelic, which I think is so cool because, (laughs) yeah. And and it feels like that's the ideal way, 
um, that for someone to be able to get the most out of that experience, of course, um, sure. is to be able to meditate through it. And, Absolutely. you know, there's a funny old adage, like what came first? Was it the use of psychedelics or was it meditation in general? And um, it feels like, yeah, we had been hunter gatherers for a long time. We experimented. We picked things up off the ground. We found things that were magical to us. And I, I can see the breathing practices of meditation, um, the relaxation of the physiological body, as well as the psychology as being very helpful and a high-level psychedelic experiences, um, enabling one to ride through them without resistance and be mm-hmm. open. And uh, so that's really cool that you that you had that opportunity. And, and I would have to agree that 16 feels young for most of us. I know my first experiences were around that age, but I had no understanding of what I was doing. And uh, that, that preparation beforehand, I think, is, is quite crucial. Um, for sure. So your uh, your lucid experiences were you discovering ways to trigger them? Because you said you kind of let the practice go. Uh, yeah, no, for sure, found ways to uh, make them happen. A lot of it was actually just focusing on them and setting the intention before going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. It really was started with lucid dreaming, but it mostly turned into astral projection was my mm-hmm. main practice. Um, yeah. So it would be I would be going to sleep and right before I fell asleep I'd say like I'd repeat to myself I will ask to project I will ask to project in my mind and that would make them so much more likely also just staying very um uh active in dream recollection through writing down mm. most of my dreams just because we can have uh these kinds of experiences but if we can't remember them or recall them they're really like it's you know, hard to get back into it's like dialing in on a radio and it's like mm-hmm. you're keeping yourself dialed yeah. into that wavelength as you're able to yeah, remember absolutely. the dream realm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's so a really helpful writing, bit of advice. Yeah. Writing down all your dreams. Um, avoiding uh, cannabis really helped me, even though I do um, see the benefit in that medicine. Mm-hmm, uh, at mm-hmm. the time, it would take me into very deep sleep. It does um, that. Yeah, yeah you're I not in the rim it. territory nearly as much, are you? Yeah, so if uh, someone's trying to work with lucid dreaming or astral projection, highly recommend uh, making sure you uh, stay mostly off of that uh, medicine. Also, uh, questioning your reality throughout the day, doing reality checks. Mm. So even though, um, you know, we can say right now that we're sure we're we're not asleep and that we're not dreaming, um, you just want to get into the habit of questioning because if you make it a habit, then you'll do it in dreams also and so i'd uh, what i would do is i would um try to put my finger on my palm and if it goes through my hand i'd know no, i'd dreaming <laughs> or Whoa. something it would happen always yeah. so i'd just be like hmm even though i'm like sure i'm not dreaming i'm just like am i dreaming right now and just like building up that habit of like asking that a few times a day then you'll start asking in your dreams and you'll see something weird happening and then you can um do uh you know start changing the dream being involved in it um those are the few little neat tricks. Just generally having it in the forefront of your mind, I feel like makes it more likely to happen. There's mm-hmm. a lot of really great books on it if someone wants to get into them. Um, also, one of the biggest tips I found is that actually at night is not the most ideal time to lucid dream or astral project. Actually, naps, especially in the morning, are the most ideal time. So uh. when we're... Um, when we're really tired at night, our body just wants to go into deeper sleep or become largely unconscious, even in the dream realm. 
um, versus if we wake up a little earlier than usual and we go back to sleep, um, that is where our body's already rested and we're more likely to go straight into, uh, into being able to follow yeah. our dreams and lucid dream and work with the dream world. Okay. Those are really helpful tips. Okay. Yeah, because I've watched videos, I've read books um, here and there on it, and I've heard some of those tips. Um, I really like your insight into cannabis. That's very helpful because I've noticed uh, when I'm smoking regularly that I'm not dreaming as much, and, as, and anyone that smokes knows that as soon as you stop, you notice your dreams a lot more again. So For that's sure. really helpful. Um, and I like the morning time. That's really cool insight too. So like a morning time nap. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Me- it's called, uh, the method's called waking back to sleep. So you wake up mm. ideally, like a few years I wake up, for example, at like eight, wake up at like six and stay up for about 15 minutes without looking at any bright screens, or bright lights mm. or do any heavy exercise. Just kind of relax, just kind of hang out for like 15 minutes but the lights like nice and low windows closed and then go back to sleep and try to stay conscious, try to like stay still and watch your body fall asleep, but try to keep conscious. And usually that is by far the best time to, to do it. Okay. Awesome. So cool. Um, one of my first uh, lucid dreaming experiences, not my very first, but I think my second or third was like a nightmare experience as well. And I remember uh, being chased by some figures in these old, abandoned city buildings and they were running after me kind of like uh mr smith guys in the matrix (laughs) and they kept catching up to me they were really fast and i kept just barely like scrambling away and i thought to myself like this isn't fair this doesn't make sense i should be able to do what they can do and i remember like becoming lucid enough to take control of the dream and turn that nightmare into a heroic moment where I was then able to run up, run down the hallways, like on the walls to take corners. And I jumped down an elevator shaft, flipping and grabbing and uh, leaped out of a window. And I was going to go warn all my friends now. And um, that wasn't a fully lucid dream, but it was definitely a lucid experience where one was able to take control. And then I I have become fully lucid before to where I, I got to experience flight Um, but I've only had a few of these experiences. So that's really fascinating to to meet someone that was able to become really well-versed with them at a young age. And so that that really opened you up to your spiritual path and your spiritual journey, huh? Absolutely. Meditation. Yeah, uh, like leaving the body at such a young age and just seeing yourself outside of your body and going around, um, it it's impossible to to not feel like there's so much more to this reality than what we're told and what we see. So um, that just sparked an interest. Like I for sure am experiencing these things that are so beyond what people talk about and what mm-hmm. people think is possible. Uh, it's guaranteed that there's more. And that's when I started, you know, exploring like, okay, what other altered states and things are people not talking about that are possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you said you went and you met with Buddha in the light realms. How old were you when you were doing this? I must have been around 15. And that was one of the most beautiful experiences ever. Um, it was, um, I exited my body and it always starts in my, wherever my body's at. So usually it was my room. And uh, I asked for an astral guide. 
Uh, and someone appeared and asked them, can you please take me to the Buddha? Um, so I followed them and they took me to this realm of pure light. Uh, and there was the Buddha sitting in meditation with his eyes low. And I was so excited as a like a young teenager. I had so many questions because uh, I had been reading so much about Buddhism. I wanted to ask the Buddha all these questions. But as soon as I was in his presence, they all fell away. And his peace, um, his serenity just answered everything for me. And I just stood there and just observed and just was in deep peace. That was the, the experience. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Are there any other unique lucid or astral uh, experiences that you've had? So um, recently, the last few um ways I was working with the astral realm was through hypnosis. So I would um, do hypnosis, um, like self-hypnosis through, um, there's a, a great hypnosis person called Michael Sealing on YouTube. And he does uh, a lot of various ones. He has lucid dreaming ones. Um, he has ones on past lives. So I would uh, do hypnosis sessions um, to uh, experience my past lives, uh, which gave me a lot of insight on where I'm at right now and what I'm trying to do as a soul and why I create the art that I create. So that was one of the most profound experiences was uh, recalling my most recent past life for sure through um, through the astral realm, through um, that kind of technique. Wow. Wow. So that really helped you orient your understanding of where you are now, why you are now and how your art can be working in the world. I guess yeah. that, that brings us to your art. So uh, your art is very profound. Thank and, you. And it's, it's just there. Um, I'm really curious um, about how you, you came to your first visions that became your first pieces. So, so were they like they just came to you fully and it was an experience that you wanted to translate or are they sometimes something that comes to life as you're doing them? Um, I'm mostly worth with uh, what I call recreation of visions, where it's mm -hmm. where I see the vision through a mystical experience and then I go about trying to recreate them. So usually I, I have the whole image in my mind before I make it. Um, and uh, at a young age, it started through a lot of my uh, dream work. Mm -hmm. um visions from you know these dreams I was having uh, where I was conscious um then it started happening through like a lot of the sensations and uh, insights I was getting through meditation then later on through medicines but um at the when I was younger I was heavily focused on technique um uh, for my art um so I was doing a lot of realism and I was um like um uh doing a, a apprenticeship to uh, be a Disney Imagineer. So I was working with Disney World and uh, focusing on how to, you know, create um, realistic things, make concrete look like any texture. So I was uh, heavily focused on more like creating things that are recreate the physical realm. Um, later on, I started having like my mystical experience started to get more and more intense, uh, where I felt almost like I wanted to break free from all that structure that I was uh, focusing on where I was just creating, like I was creating portraits that were like completely like super detail 
like photographs. Um, and I transitioned into wanting to break free and have art be like fun again, be like when I was a child where it was a part of the experience and letting go. So I started creating a lot of abstracts um, and working with color and emotion. Um, and from there, um, it wasn't until I had a very profound experience with Changa, uh, which is infused leaf DMT, dimethyltryptamine, that um, I started asking myself, like, why am I creating anything besides this? Um, why am I creating anything besides these visions that are, I am getting like mm. the, the realism is great. The abstracts are great, but really I need to create something that has this, uh, these messages that I'm getting the, the spirit, um, these mm. spiritual themes. Um, Cause I was visiting um, in the, with DMT, I was seeing all these entities and um, these realms of, you know, um, pure bliss of understanding that I really wanted to share with others. And it was, after I started working with a lot of DMT that I transitioned into doing complete visionary art. And now my visionary art is heavily influenced by DMT, but also by other medicines and also by um, other experiences. So I also still create artworks about my uh, lucid dreaming experience, about uh, even I get visions while chanting, while meditating. It's a, a variety of um, things that inspire me, but I would say really the kind of art I make now largely started when I started working heavily with the spirit molecule. Yes. The spirit molecule. I love that you refer to it that way. It is. It truly is like that. Um, it's so fascinating to me. And, and for the listeners that don't know, uh, DMT, dimethyltryptamine that Juliana is referring to, uh, does exist endogenously within our own bodies. Our brain produces it. And I was uh, actually watching a recent uh, Aubrey Marcus where he had um, a leading uh, researcher on and they were talking about how they're finding that DMT exists in amounts uh, close to what serotonin is in our brains at all times, generating perhaps our conscious awareness. Um, we used to think it was much smaller amounts and it was just coming out during the dreams, for instance, or during the death and birth experiences. Um, it's such a profound thing that it's hard to understand how to talk about. Um, those experiences are so much realer than real. And they are so full of wisdom, information, understanding, um, absolution, healing. Um, so when you felt called, like you were wondering, like, why am I not doing nothing but this kind of art? essentially. Um, it, that sounds like your dharma, your your true role calling forth. Um, and I like that you're able to borrow from your chanting and your meditations as well. So um, for our listeners, because I've, I've heard of people that practice like kundalini yoga, for instance, having uh, some pretty high level experiences. Are those experiences like a psychedelic experience in that there is a visual component to them or is it more the oneness euphoria experience so there is some that are very visual and i would say mm. like all the ones i make art about have to be still in the realm of dualities where there's still some sort of form um but my most um, pr um like precious experiences are definitely the ones that 
Uh, can't be painted the ones of the formless realm the ones of pure consciousness and that to me is like the ultimate union with source um and for me the most um the experiences i hold dearest to my heart um but i haven't been able to fully um create those experiences uh in an artwork just because of course yeah. it, it might How be a blank, <laughs> blank yeah Age. Um, might just be a white so, piece of paper yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't want to be one of those <laughs> so uh i do whatever's uh closest to it which uh well like next down which is um the, the what i would call the spirit realms before mm. the the pure consciousness realm there's what i would consider the spirit realms which is what we often experience with um dmt which is uh these infinite fractals and these very divine beings like a uh, crystalline matrix that's geometrically interwoven and, yeah, yeah versus yeah. i would say uh something like the pure consciousness uh realms would be more like 5meo dmt uh, mm. instead of nndmt um uh which is a very beautiful medicine um highly uh i don't know highly love it and it's, it's incredible very cool Okay. So, and your art, what are you hoping to share with people as you, um, as you share the, 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 the art that you create? Um, my mission with my art is to raise the human collective consciousness. Um, I really, um, through exploring my past lives, I realized that I'm trying to fulfill the Bodhisattva vows, which I took in my most recent past life which um, if some people aren't familiar with uh, is the vow to help liberate all beings. Um, and it's a very, um, very big vow because it's a vow that lasts throughout lifetimes. Um, now this can seem almost impossible to the ego. How do we go about trying to liberate all beings? It's, it's a very grand task. Um, but um, through deeper understanding of the vows, now I, I have found that it's through liberating yourself and finding your oneness with all beings. And as soon as you liberate yourself, all beings are liberated. So in a way, it's more of a daily practice of instead of like, hey, instead of getting angry at this person or frustrated, I'm going to stay in union with them and feeling the oneness and then the love vibration. And that's fulfilling my vows in every moment. Um, but that's uh, where my yearning to to raise the collective consciousness comes from. So in a way, it's it's um, it has two levels. One, it is a constant um, practice of myself feeling the oneness with everything in existence, fulfilling my vows in that way. But in another way, I also want to create um, something uh, profound in this world while I'm here, um, which is which I try to do through the art. So I try to do it in my own life daily and every action and then also through my art um, so that hopefully what I want is for people when they see the art to feel some sort of remembrance of, of source, of love, of uh, their true selves. And I try to paint that somehow. Um, I try to have it be in there where um, create an artwork that's just as high vibrational as I physically can create. Uh, and I'm always striving to to create it in a higher vibrational way um, mm -hmm. and hope that it will plant seeds of of liberation within the viewer. Um, 
even though there's a lot of people I know that uh, will see it and maybe not understand it at the moment, my aim is to be able to at least plant that seed so later it will blossom. Um, so I do my best. It's a very, very um, high goal to set, but uh, I'll spend the rest of my life uh, getting as close to it as possible. And I ideally, uh, it would get to the point of um, raising the consciousness of uh, 3 billion people is my ultimate goal, and, which is everybody on the internet. Um, so big goals. <laughs> but, you Love know, uh, the whole thing of shoot for, for the moon and maybe you'll hit some stars kind of. Yeah, right. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's we, we have no understanding of how everything that we do ripples out and affects everyone around us, and then they're rippling out. And so when we do turn ourselves up a little bit, our sense of love, loving awareness, uh, it, it does, it impacts the people around us. It raises their vibration in that way, just that little bit. They have an interaction with somebody else. It really is affecting the entire world. My understanding of bodhisattvas is uh, it's like a Buddha that's coming back down from the mountain, choosing to interact again with this world, uh, this aspect of reality. Um, and that really is a, a, a beautiful um, commitment to make the enlightenment of all beings. And I feel so many of us being called to this communion in this time. And it's, it's a very exciting time. And I also see that you're coming from love. It's not, it's not a fear. Um, and which is very easy to fall into. I, I myself feel I'm constantly falling back and forth between the motivation being a loving orientation, of course, to share this grace with all people and know that they, everyone has access to it. And, of course, then the nervous side of the human scene, all that's going wrong in the world. And that, given it's having its own sense of urgency. So how do you measure? Um, how, how do you yourself find ways to remain in that space, like you were saying, if you had like a disagreement with somebody and being able to stay in that place of, of oneness while you communicate? Um. I, I do my best to see them as my guru, uh, mm. even if it's someone that is um, acting perhaps not how I would want to act. Um, sometimes people can teach us how not to be. So yes. uh, I practice turning everybody into gurus. So if um, someone's being very wise, I try to learn from them. If someone's being very uh, hateful, I try to learn how I can be more compassionate towards them. Because um, I understand, yeah, yeah, I understand that that is coming from a place of suffering within mm -hmm. them. So um, I try to learn from them, and mm -hmm. that's how I I maintain my my peace is through understanding, through uh, seeing them as an opportunity to learn deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes our greatest teachers are the ones that uh, challenge us the most. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I remember reading that somewhere, and. Um, I really like how you put that. So just making everyone our gurus. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah, really and cool. At the, 
at the end of the day, I love the quote from Ram Das uh, that everyone is God in drags. <laughs> yeah, a, that's a clever oh, one, isn't it? That's a really um, but clever I, one. I practice yeah. that. I'm like, can I see um, source in this? That it's just uh, another way maybe source is playing with me to um, teach me more compassion, teach me more patience. Yeah. Yeah. So you you do a daily meditation practice, I imagine, to help stay yes. in this place. Um, what else do you do you feel like has been helpful for you in your life? Um, I would say my biggest um, aid in maintaining um, peace within is definitely meditation. So my meditation practice is uh, vital in my mm-hmm. daily life. Um, it's a if I'm going to do one thing every day is I got to make sure I meditate. Um, besides that, I really love Ashtanga yoga. So taking a moment to unite with the body and the breath is very important for me. Um, I love chanting. So uh, I practice various um, Buddhist chants uh, and Hindu chants, uh, a lot of Theravada Buddhist chants from temples I used to attend, as well as Mahayana Buddhist chants. Uh, And throughout the day, I try to uh, practice um, Shiva chanting. And uh, mostly, um, it's about that recollection of trying to see source and everything. Uh, walking meditation is always very useful as well. Uh, I practice it as much as I can. Mm. We can uh, achieve very blissful states if we take each step mindfully. Uh, mm. And it's very easy to do when we take um, a step. We we say right foot, take a left step, left foot. And if we, we do it right as the foot hits the ground and we maintain, maintain that presentness with each step instead of letting the mind wander, uh, then, mm. you know, just walking to the kitchen can be a beautiful meditation. I love so this. much bliss. Yeah. So, I was going to ask you, how would you describe how you do walking meditation? And you just did. Yeah, that, it's so um, simple. Just wow. right, yeah. left foot, right foot, left, right, left. Right, and it helps left. keep the attention anchor, anchored in the moment. In the present moment. In the present Instead moment. Of, yeah. Whenever the mind wanders, I just bring it back. And mm. also I ca- catch myself just getting in the habit of doing it and not doing it mindfully. And I'll be like saying right foot before my right foot hits the ground. And I, I Google and I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, let's they be attentive on right that. Right when the right foot hits the ground. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so it's a beautiful practice. Um, lovely to, it's lovely to take walks in nature and practice this. Um, there's a few other types of walking meditation, um, which are a little more complex. But I would say that one's uh, very easy and one of my favorites, easy to do. Uh, and you can get very, very deep with it. Um, if you let the mind stop wandering you just bring it back to the present by maintaining that practice through a, a 20 minute walk a 30 minute walk or even just like a short walk across the room um you do it in full mindfulness you can find so much joy and stability and peace that you can take into every other moment so we start with simple things such as sitting maintaining mindfulness walking and maintaining mindfulness and then we can do every action and maintain mindfulness awesome Wow. Very, very cool. Okay. I think the listeners will really appreciate that because that was a very, yeah, that was a very clear explanation. Maybe maybe bring them peace. I hope so. It's, it's, um, so when we're talking about presence, we are just talking about this very present moment, just the experience of life itself before our mind starts giving it descriptions and, it starts listing off its preferences or resisting certain aspects of it. And just as it appears through the senses, 
before any interpretation. And it's the deepest, most beautiful, profound thing. And we all know it immediately. We know the moment, but we don't realize how immeasurably deep it is. Mm, it is. Yeah. For me, I can always uh, sense when I'm in that um, state of pure mindfulness because I can't help but smile. Yes, me, that's what happens. Smiling is uh, my greatest form of worship to, to this existence. And I feel it when I'm, I'm in deep meditation or I'm deep walking meditation or just being very present. A smile just blooms on my face. And that is my signal that um, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. So. So regarding uh, the psychedelics, our plant medicines, these teachers. Um, when one has had a, like a breakthrough experience, uh, a really deep breakthrough experience of, of, a, of that unmistakable sense of oneness, that sense of home, that confirmation that there is absolutely something more. Um, what, what do you recommend for people when they've had that experience? Um, because I find that we can get to, even in the realm of psychedelics, perhaps, it's um, something I hear people talking about, um, of chasing the dragon, so to speak, um, going to them just for that experience and then not retaining the the groundedness one has within the experience throughout normal waking life. Um, and it's really hard to understand, like, how often, you know, people microdose nowadays. Um, some people will only have access to psychedelics once in a blue moon. Um, so with, with all of that out there, um, whether it's super available or not, how can we deepen our relationship with life and with our plant medicine usage in a way that remains I guess, holy. I think that's what I'm looking for is to understand how we can keep that heartful, honest, authentic engagement with source. Um, I feel that medicines can um, catapult us up to the mountaintop. And sometimes the mountaintop can be so profound, but after it's over, we can go back to where our previous state of consciousness was uh, with now this uh, inspiration of the mountaintop. Um, but we need to have it motivate us to deepen our spiritual practice, mm. uh, things such as meditation, with yoga, with breath work, with um, chanting, these kinds of things, so that we can reach those states on our own without these medicines. Yes. And, um, I would say um, it's, it's useful to do it every once in a while, maybe to re-inspire uh, us to continue mm. walking up the mountain. Uh, yes. to reach that state on her own in perfect sobriety. So um, I, I enjoy doing them every so often. Uh, feeling feeling that very high state of consciousness then can provide and then returning and doing my practice with more passion, with more inspiration. Mm. So I think that's how they're very useful is to inspire us to work harder with our other practices um, mm -hmm. so that we can was, achieve ideally yeah. on our own. Yes. I was asking because I've had experiences myself where I've done it and then I know I wasn't doing the work to honor the experience after having had it 
so to speak. And the next time around, it would just take me for a loop. It would teach me those lessons, you know. And, um, and you know, they're sometimes very beautiful in sweet and profound ways. Um, but regardless, I knew I was learning a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's really helpful. Because I, th- yeah. I think that the commitment to our practice throughout our lives is what helps us uh, marry that experience with our natural state of being. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and to honor it. And it, what yeah. I found helps me a lot of the times is writing it down while on the medicine or right after mm. the medicine, mm-hmm. uh, depending on which one I'm working with. Uh, writing down those insights, those lessons, those things that uh, maybe the medicine says you mm. need to change to improve on, mm-hmm. writing them down and referring back to them afterwards once you're back in sobriety and making sure one applies those lessons, one applies those uh, changes, um, do the homework, you know, after after the experience, doing the homework, and uh, that can br- make the experience um, actually very much more deeply beneficial than just the experience and then letting it go. I agree. I can see that. And then the success of experiences, when you come back, you're able to kind of pick up where you left off a little bit more, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And... Um, you're not re- relearning things over and over and over again, for instance. Um, yeah. So I saw that you write poetry as well. Yes. Yeah. Is that like a meditative practice for you too? It's very much become that for me in recent times. It's really funny, my relationship with words. Um, I feel like I largely got into art um, because of my my troubles with words as a child um, mm. because uh, I grew up between um, Colombia and uh, the United States moving back and forth and speaking Spanish and English and both my languages were not very good and um, I turned to art as a way of communication because I felt like it transcended language mm-hmm. and I always would tell myself oh I'm not good with words like I'm bad in both languages let me just like focus on the visual let me just create art and um Cool. Later on, you know, uh, I was using art to express these messages that I felt words were enough for again, uh, these mystical experiences where words felt short. Mm-hmm. So I made art about it. Um, and I would always still like um, had that limitation, I think, from my youth. Uh, I'd created it in my mind. And it wasn't until recently that I decided that I should let go of all limitation and past notions I put mm-hmm. all these cages we put on ourselves. So mm-hmm. I'm not good at this and I'm not good at that. Instead, um, letting go and letting yourself just be free and open to to whatever um, you your new self can be. So I started telling myself, you know, that is a notion that's held me down for a while. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to say I am very good with words. I can create um, beautiful images and have a profound poem go with them. Because I realized that a lot of people um, are more logical minded. They like words and they will only understand the message if there's words to go along with it, uh, with the Mm. image. Um, Because there are some people that will see the image and that will be enough. Um, Very Mm. visual. But there's people that will want to nibble on those words to really be able to understand the image and have a deeper appreciation for it. So I wanted to... um, cater to those people as well to be able to have them um, feel 
connected to the art also. So I started working with creating poems with my artworks. Um, even though the artwork was my main focus afterwards, uh, I started focusing just as much on the poems and um, they'd come very similarly to how the image would come. Um, they'd have almost like a vision, but the words would start like pouring out of me, uh, almost like, you know, just coming through me like a vessel. Um, and uh, it's funny because I started sharing them a few years ago and I found a lot of people tell me that they like the poem more than they like the artwork. <laughs> my poems uh, so it just made me giggle that before I had these limitations on myself and now I uh, consider myself a visionary artist and a poet awesome very cool the poetry is so so fascinating to me and I, I've been writing since I was a little boy and I also drew a lot growing up as well I was always very into art but I love to read a lot, and I started trying to write stories at a very young age, like six on up. And so I've always been fascinated with words. And I like that you're providing that with your art because it's kind of like a map that's coming with a key, you know? So you're like yeah. getting this way to understand aspects of the map you might not understand if you're not as visually oriented. And it, it, it's cool because it helps you dial in a little bit more too even if you are visually oriented um those words can be very helpful in the navigation of that timeless space that we're trying to express through these kinds of pieces and it's i just had the coolest moment of just like realizing it's like the universe talking about itself when we're having this conversation it's very much what god is doing and that's um Perhaps the most profound thing, it reminds me of a Ramana Maharshi quote where he's expressing how we go from thinking I as this personified sense of self and then we realize that that's not what the I is and then that the I remains even after one wakes up to its true nature. The sense of I-ness is still there. And uh, I love these paradoxes and the ways that they weave themselves Absolutely. So, do you and have? I think, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, that uh, I feel like both um, artworks and poetry or words can be very beautiful rafts um, that can take us to that shore, which is beyond words, beyond images, which is you know what we're pointing at. Um, and some some people find it easier to arrive with one or the other. So providing both, um, I feel like can take people to that shore we're trying to reach much yes. easier shore of um, happiness, of bliss, of oneness with source. Yes, yes. And music too. Do you ever get to yes. go to festivals and paint while oh, the I bands are playing? Yeah, yeah. I love festivals. Uh, I love painting and getting feedback and like seeing people interact with the art is really cool. Um, yeah, there's so many different art forms we can use to yeah. uh, this ashore. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, it's I love amazing because you see people do it with dancing. You can see yes. actors that can pull it off even if you're really Absolutely. looking. Yeah, that's so fascinating to me. Well, before we close, because I think we have, um, how is your time? I think maybe we had 30 more minutes or did you need to finish now? Yeah, we can we can do like another 30 minutes if you'd like. Okay, cool. I'd love if you'd like to share um, any poem that speaks to you, any piece uh, that you have in the poem that goes with it. That would be really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. You want, uh, would you like for me to read one? Sure. 
All right, let's see. Um, let's see. Um, why not? Hmm. <laughs> Seeing which one. Um, I've been doing a Hindu deity series um, recently, but let me actually do. Uh, I really like this one. So um, this one's called uh, The Actor Behind the Masks, um, which is. I like that uh, one a lot. Yeah. It's supposed to be like um, referring to um, God or the infinite self source behind all the mask of existence, playing all these roles. Um, so the poem is behind the abundant roles in existence. There's one actor behind all. The drama of life is a masterpiece. Is there a greater act than one who entangles you so deeply you forget it is an act? An act so extraordinary you feel the love uh, bursting from your heart. The suffering break you. The excitement shake you. The fear tremble you. Only to be followed by the red curtain of death as the grand finale. With a smile and tears in our eyes, we conclude the drama of existence at the edge of our seats. May we give it a standing ovation for all it has taught us. <laughs> cool. I like that. That reminds me of uh, of like a Rumi or a Hafiz at the end there. May we give it that. How did you put it? Standing ovation. Standing ovation. Yeah. I don't know why the word shining applause came to my mind, but standing, <laughs> yes, standing ovation very much. I like that feeling of exalting. Yeah, that was largely inspired joy. by an ayahuasca uh, journey where I saw, um, I would say it was almost like my death. And then afterwards, this great carnival. Uh, it was funny because it's like almost a very Hindu carnival um, with, uh, I remember seeing Ganesha and they were throwing flowers and uh, <laughs> like all these like Hindu deities and uh, everybody was celebrating like, yay, like <laughs> what a great act it all was, <laughs> and, you know, like a uh, standing ovation for, for uh, this existence. Was <laughs> so how many times have you done uh, ayahuasca? I work with ayahuasca twice mm -hmm. versus I would say uh, the spirit molecule pure uh, crystal DMT and Chang I've worked uh, probably hundreds of times with. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. The, the ayahuasca is a little harder to come by for people, um, for sure. but it, it definitely did pick up to where a lot of people are traveling down South to go do it. Is that what you did or did you do it at a church here? Uh, I did it at a church here with a Brazilian tribe. Oh, very cool. And how was that experience for you? It was beautiful. So I was, uh, it was a while ago. It was about probably like five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the first one, it was funny. The first one um, was very like happy and celebratory and like, whoa, like, you know, it's all one. It's all beautiful. It's all love. Like grandmother loves you. It's like, you know, the grandmother medicine as they refer to it. Um, mm -hmm. It was very inspiring and happy. Um, the second one, I was going through some turbulence and needed um, to make some drastic changes in my life. And it definitely gave me some tough love of like, okay, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> you need to do these changes. And it was much more like, whoa, okay, <laughs> like, um, more serious. So more uh, tough was, love, huh? Yeah, tough yeah. love. 
oh, so helpful. Like, I think both experiences were just as like helpful and necessary. So mm. it's funny how it can show, like it really showed me this, these two sides of it being very loving and kind and sweet and uh, tough love, but like very important lessons that I yeah. needed to see at that moment. So there's an interesting aspect about the medicines is that sometimes the quote unquote worst trips are the best. Um, the tough ones you, you gain so much from, I think that's, sure. that's a helpful, maybe not best of course, but I think that's a helpful way for people new to the, the substances, to the plant medicines, to understand every, I believe that every trip is helpful to us. For sure. Can, can absolutely be helpful to us. Even when we're sometimes working through purging, difficult things yeah I, w- I would say everybody should still take like the proper precaution and preparation and set and setting um absolutely researched yeah. make sure that they're setting themselves up for as um safe and um positive an experience possible but yes. sometimes negative experiences do happen mm-hmm. and um being being able to have them in a safe space um and let go and learn from them is also important. Yes. And that's what we mean by set and setting, right? Mm-hmm. It's preparing the actual setting that one is going to be in as well as one's mindset. So if one, for instance, just went through a really heavy breakup um, yeah. and there's still a lot of turmoil around it, um, it might do to spend some time in meditation and ground it into that um, before one jumps into the psychedelic experience, because it might be Most a very certainly. particularly difficult trip in that way. It might be, but ironically, at the same time, it could help heal a it lot can of help. things. It can help. Yeah, just, just be psychologically ready, because <laughs> yeah. if you're going through something like that, that's going to be yeah. part of your mental setting. For sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, and you're right, though. It can be. Um, I wouldn't want to sway some, someone from doing it just to recognize how dramatically our set and setting really does impact yeah. the experience so being mm-hmm. able to beautify one's environment and care for oneself and clear the clutter yeah. in an area and, and put a lot of tlc and into the process of preparation the environment being safe you know like yes. uh, oh we don't gosh, want to yes. do this, like out on the streets uh yep. ideally, you know um, yeah strangers I mean, the safest environment is yeah. you know at home or your own home it's like you know if that's uh, possible for us with the trip sitter that would be probably like the safest mm-hmm. ex- environment to experiment with certain medicines other medicines we do need a facilitator such as ayahuasca or or 5-meo mm-hmm. um we need a professional there or um you know sometimes uh festivals like very spiritually themed festivals um can be a very beautiful environment if we're one already we're already experienced with taking medicines, um, to have a community that is very accepting and supportive of it, um, depending on the festival. I'm talking more about the spiritually uh, kind of oriented festivals it, instead of the party yeah. festivals, Yeah. Um, especially like the smaller ones. And if we already have a lot of experience with psychedelics, can be a very positive environment um, mm-hmm. to connect with community uh, in this like kind of like altered state of consciousness. Yes. Yes, that can be a very familiar experience for the human as well. Um, if one ever gets to have that experience, I, I wonder if they will experience it 
such as I have to where it felt like, oh, yeah, we used to do this. This is mm-hmm. old. This is ancient. This is super familiar. Being with a, a couple hundred other people or so in this space of mind, in this stasis, stasis of communion, walking by one another and yeah, and knowing. In nature and with beautiful mm-hmm. music. And, um, you know, beautiful workshops and decorations of like very spiritually themed things like it can be so, um, I don't know, um, heart opening to do it in a community kind of sense. Well, if everybody is already like, you know, experienced, I, I recommend probably if it's your first time, it's more comfortable to, to do it at home or even your first few times with mm-hmm. a trusted person. Um, but after you are very comfortable and know what to expect and know how to handle yourself to do it in a a natural setting with all these beautiful people, Um, you know, dancing and feeling like one and and almost like a tribal kind of feeling, which is how we used to do it, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. What certainly was a component of our experience. um, We being the first culture in, in human history to, to, uh, outlaw the use of them for some time um knowing every culture before us did it it was a it was a such a unmistakable familiar form of communion that my body remembered and uh i am i'm so joyful to know that we are now starting to take it seriously with a sense of sophistication and respect in our medical community and the psychotherapeutic communities um, that, that just the idea that people are going to have access, um, to MDMA and psilocybin and DMT therapies, uh, for PTSD among so many other psychological ailments. Um, it's, it's such a glowing, hopeful thing to see happening in our world For sure. and something I never thought would happen. You know, yeah, I, when I was younger, yeah, it was, uh, something I would have never saw coming. But now it makes sense. makes perfect sense that we would, of course, be here now. And I'm super grateful for the people who have these um, mental illnesses um, to, you know, being able to have a a professional psychiatrist who's uh, trained in this, be able to help them because, you know, these are the people that may be, shouldn't uh, do it necessarily on their own own. risky because if they have a lot of trauma um, then it can be very like you know bad to do it on your own and um, instead now they're creating these spaces where people that really need it but Mm -hmm. um, you know need someone that's very professional to do it with uh, and knows how to work through the traumas and work through the traumas you know Mm -hmm. yeah I see a lot of healing coming in our world. Uh, thanks to that, it's starting to happen now. These deep unresolved traumas that are so hard to get through for us. Um, that can take years and years of therapy. Um, that we have these teachers that can bring us into such a high place of understanding and being and seen that they can bring us through a healing process so compassionately and with so much explanation too in the psychedelic experience you get so much data on why 
you were doing something. And it's like so like it feels so good to like feel, oh, that's why you're doing that. I love you. It's like you you, had, you feel this sense of love for yourself um, as a child that you're caring for almost. And there's there's never blame in that place. It's all it all just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And um, and those reams of data that that encyclopedic detail of the explanation that one gets, um, even if you cannot bring all of it back, it is it is so helpful and orienting for oneself because it's not like you need words to know how to love. It just mm-hmm. comes naturally. Yet love is this infinite thing with infinite potential and availability and, and ways of expressing itself. So we can always get better at being loving. And I, uh, I'm really excited that we have these things that are kind of like portals to God's heart. And, well uh, said. Yeah. And like sometimes that just feeling of love that we can achieve through psychedelics, I would say, especially... Um, I would say MDMA is really good at this, at just mm. connecting us to the feeling of love. It's such a heart um, heart chakra-centered medicine. Uh, can be so healing, and I would say maybe that's why it heals so many people with uh, PTSD, because sometimes it, it can be a, a, like a heart chakra um, blockage, and yes. just, it just makes us feel so, you know, in, in the love vibration that it heals so deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's something wisdom. There's such, such a depth of wisdom to be found through love. It's it's unconditionality. Mm-hmm. Grants it a completely open view. There's no walls. There's no conditions. There's no judgments. There's just clear seeing, understanding, and appreciation. And yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's yeah. it's just this bottomless thing. Um, you know, you, and I, when you said that about the heart chakra, I, I remembered like there's tensions I've held in my chest, um, anxieties, old childhood experiences that we'll hold in different parts of our bodies, and I felt mm-hmm. those relax in that psychedelic experience, even under uh, just just cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't smoked in a while and then you smoke something that's particularly strong and then you feel that rush of anxiety as the sensory input is turned up and <laughs> uh, one's self-reflection is really turned up and you become self-aware in ways you're not normally aware, aware of the nuances of oneself and other people in really unique ways. And I remember that happened to me one time and I could feel that rise in anxiety that can happen sometimes. And uh, I started to breathe into it with love. And then I felt this warmth, that warmth of the mm-hmm. heart chakras opening and the relaxation, the shoulders dropping, the chest open itself back up. And then, of course, just this, that beautiful natural wisdom of understanding that comes through love became just apparent. And it's here for all of us. Yeah. Because that's and- the way of saying it. I feel like medicines, they can really help with um, anything we're suppressing, like anything we're hiding under the carpet. Um, can that new sense of perspective. Yeah, because mm. we can't hide anything when we're on psychedelics. Anything we've suppressed and hidden under, we're trying to not address, it comes up. And that's also why there can be so beneficial and sometimes difficult because sometimes mm-hmm. we don't want to look at that stuff. Yeah. But it's not until we can look at it 
and um, address it, that can, we can heal it. We can um, transmute it. Yes. Yeah. And I like that you said transmute there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Use it as compost for our happiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For new new creations and new gifts to the world and. What a fun game we've set up for ourselves. How conveniently exactly. we've we've forgotten everything so that we get to remember again. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. And since it's infinite, remembering again is never gonna be the same as it would have been before. We got lots of worlds to play on. And in times like these, this is where the art and the truth and the authenticity really turns up and gets to shine. And so it's been awesome to get to speak with you today, Juliana. Thank you so much for joining me. And Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I would like for you to share with uh, our listeners now uh, your website, your social media handles, and places that they can find more of your work. Absolutely. So um, my website is julianagarcesart.com. That's uh, J-U-L-I-A-N-A. G-A-R-C-E-S-A-R-T dot com. Uh, and my Instagram is Juliana Garces Art. Um, and that's mostly where I'm active. If you look me up uh, on Facebook, Juliana Garces Art, um, you can also find me. And yeah, um, deeply appreciate people checking out the visions and uh, hope they inspire you. Awesome. They have certainly inspired me. And I hope that they inspire others just as much and that you continue to be blessed with the beautiful work that you're doing in this world and uh yeah i just want to thank you so much maybe we'll get to do this again someday thank you so much uh and uh may everybody listening uh, may they find happiness love you guys talk to you soon